Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes, Ross Martin, and going to change up the show a little bit. We're recording about 9.30 on Monday night, and Greg, I'll start with you. Duke just dropped one to Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech. Crazy ending. One-point win for the Hokies. I think that shakes things up a great deal. It makes the ACC tournament two-seed very much in play. And it also, probably the bigger picture, puts the Charlotte Regional back in play for North Carolina, Greg. Your take. Yeah, for sure. And I think the the crazy thing to me is that Let's say North Carolina wins out, beats Miami, beats Duke. Duke and UNC would both finish uh, with 24-7 and seven regular season records. I think if you told anybody that before the season, uh, that would have been considered a good year for the Tar Heels, and that would have been considered quite a letdown for Duke, given all the talent Coach K has in Durham. Uh, and so the, the fact that we can even talk about that as being a realistic scenario is uh, it's quite impressive. Um, but in terms of the, yeah, the, the spot in Charlotte, I would have to say Virginia's a clear lock for Charlotte. Uh, I don't, I guess they could get sent to Pittsburgh because that is relatively close to Charlottesville, but I would assume the better fit is Charlotte, which leaves open that one spot. And while Duke, uh, before this game against Virginia tech was a spot ahead of UNC in the RPI, this is actually going to give them, I believe, uh, their fourth quadrant one loss. So you're looking at a Duke team that is three and four in Q1 games. And that's significant because UNC currently is 10 and five. Um, and so, I mean, we're, we're talking about some pretty, pretty significant um, discrepancies there. And I would say at this point in time right now, UNC is probably the favorite to get that second spot in Charlotte. And to say that after you know, a month ago, not even considering that as an option for the Tar Heels, speaks volumes about what this team has done. Uh, Carolina still has to play strong down the stretch. I mean, I, I think they could lose at Duke on Saturday if they're able to take care of business against Miami. And if they make a good run in the ACC tournament, they could still get that. Uh, spot in Charlotte. I think that speaks to the magnitude of that loss tonight for the, the Blue Devils. But clearly, if if you take care of business this week, both against Miami and Duke, I think Tar Heel fans would have to feel very good about that that Charlotte spot. Ross, three weeks ago, um, I think it was you. <laughs> I'm joking. It was all of us, especially talking off the air. Thought Carolina probably would have a struggle to make the NCAA tournament. Now we're here talking about the Charlotte Regional as becoming a clearer picture your thoughts on this run your thoughts on uh, the run heading into this last stretch beginning with Miami tomorrow night I mean we've said all along that the team is clicking uh, and that's kind of coming together at the right time and that's kind of all we've been saying the whole time after those three losses I guess they kind of took their bumps then put things together and got a lot more comfortable with the offense. And that was kind of the key. I think they started clicking offensively once they kind of went through those, those tough three losses and everything's kind of been going their way, even the close games and be able to put it together. And that kind of 
leads to the the senior leadership that has paid off in this last stretch with some close wins you know over uh, Notre Dame early in the season over Syracuse last week um, and of course against Duke and State um, those those t- two games during this streak so you combine that senior leadership with the offense kind of clicking something coming together better rebounding consistent rebounding a little more defense and it, it's kind of um, it's kind of crazy where we were on what Tuesday, January 30th, after that loss to Clemson, Greg and I were both down there writing our articles in the dark of the of Little John Coliseum after a, a really kind of weird loss with Theo Pitts getting injured. And since then, uh, every player I think thing has improved and contributed to this team in, in some way. And uh, we're seeing the results now. You know, they, I don't see them losing it uh, home against Miami on Tuesday, and the, the Duke game will be. Super tough, but uh, both of those games are, are, are games that UNC can win and could lose. Greg, let's let's kind of have like a roundtable about the importance of Barry and Pinson. Not that you know they're coming; their great careers are coming to an end here. But to what Ross spoke of is it? It's almost like at five and five, Barry and Pinson said, "Look, we're not going out like that," and it just turned. And now. Luke Mays continued to play well. I think Cam Johnson finally got comfortable in his role, and the team finally got comfortable with him there, and Kenny Williams has done his thing. But Barry and Pinson have been the leaders, uh, if not on the court, definitely off the court, Greg. And, and you just can't really put a quantitative uh, amount on how important they've been to this team. Uh, yeah, no doubt, Tommy. And I think – if you look at the Syracuse game, in terms of on-court production, that's a great example because Theo Pinson dominated that game early and really early in the second half, kind of picking apart that Syracuse zone from the inside out. He had to have a good game being the facilitator, and he thrived in that role. And then in the second half, Miami decides to go with that full-court press, sped UNC up. They had some, some costly turnovers, took some bad shots. And who shows up wearing his cape like he typically does in the second half? Joel Berry, who hit two big three-pointers that kind of stopped Syracuse runs. And then, of course, there in the the closing seconds, once Syracuse tied it, he scored the final four points with a still and a layup and two free throws. But it was interesting listening to Theo Pinson talk about that game at their press conference on Monday. And he said, yeah, they tied it 74-74. And we said, all right. We've been here before, and that is the truth. I mean, the fact that these guys have won 13 NCAA tournament games in three years is phenomenal. Um, They've been there. They've done that. They've made big plays. I mean, we talk so much about Joe Barry scoring 20 points or more in back-to-back national title games, and, of course, that's significant. But Penson has made so many big plays. I mean, he had the assist to Luke May against Kentucky. He had the tip-out on the missed free throw against Oregon. Uh, he had a good pass in, in the Gonzaga game that set up Justin Jackson. I think gave UNC the lead. So these guys know what it takes. And then the other aspect of it, as I think you're exactly right, Tommy, is that when things were not looking good and you had some young guys on this team kind of questioning what was taking place, uh, Joel Barry was on fire. And, I, I mean, he was after guys. He was not allowing them to kind of wallow and, and defeat um, he pushed him. And the other thing is, is I remember after the, the game at Notre Dame where UNC won, uh, I actually wrote about this in my, my column today. Uh, 
Roy Williams got after his team after that game, even though they won. And Joe Barry was was lighting his teammates up in the locker room. And so I went over to Theo Pinson, who's just kind of sitting there putting his shoes on. I said, Theo, Roy, and Joe were just on fire about how this, this team has been playing. And Theo's like, yeah, I understand. That's how they are. But I'm not that way. And one of the first things he did when he walked in that locker room after that game is he went and found Sterling Manley and said, look, you made some good plays down the stretch. Keep your head up. We need you to continue to play better and to keep doing some of these things that you did tonight. And you hear it at the time. You're like, All right, well, maybe it'll click. Well, now we're a month later, and Manley all of a sudden is becoming a key part of this team off the bench. And so it's little leadership moments like that, both in the locker room and on the court, that has really allowed this team to play so well. And, and that's, that's a direct result of, of Barry and Pencil. Ross, I know those guys are kind of uh, fun to be around in the, in the locker rooms and at press conferences and to have fun and speak to that. But also on the court, they never seem like they're uptight. Like watching Duke tonight against Virginia Tech, they when it got tight down the end, you know, no smiles. It, it just looked like the pucker factor going on at Virginia Tech. But for Carolina in the Syracuse game, those guys were smiling. They were alive in the moment. And that's Barry and Pinson. They do it on and off the court. Um, and you've had some experience with them maybe giving you a hard time a little bit in press conferences. But just speak to that part of it. I mean, it is a game, and we've talked about that a lot. Um, but they truly take it that way, and it shows in their performance. Yeah, I mean, especially uh, Theo Pinson. He talked about that today when we had uh, Joel and Theo about how just they have fun off the court. They have fun in practice. You know, they don't take the game too seriously. Um, they can be serious when it matters, but they are in college. They're young kids. And I think that kind of that that liveliness and fun atmosphere has created a very positive locker room experience. Even the last three or four years, going back to Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson, kind of that generation of Tar Heels, um, how it's been kind of looser, you know, music on the bus, that kind of stuff. And then just Joel Berry and Theo Pinson, even down to Kenny Williams and Cam Johnson, their ability to hit free throws late the confidence to be able to prove they can make plays late in a lot of these close wins, I think just gives this team a sense of confidence. Um, like what Greg said about, you know, being tied at 74, 74 and just knowing they would have a shot to get back and win the game. We've seen that in multiple instances uh, throughout the season. That goes back. I think just how prepared they are, how many scenarios Joel Berry and Theo Pinson have been in where they've had to make plays late. Sometimes they've lost those games. Sometimes they've won those, but just knowing uh, what to do, where to be, and then relying on their playmaking instincts, and that just comes from experience. And that's why it's so valuable to have these seniors. You know, I'd take a senior point guard over any five-star freshman point guard, no matter how good he is, just because those moments late in the game um, in college basketball are so key and so valuable. And having that experience has been huge for UNC with Joel Berry the last two years and then Marcus Page before that. And that's just a, a luxury that uh, Carolina has had. Um, also just toughness, toughness to step up and hit free throws. We haven't really talked about any missed free throws costing UNC uh, games because um, they've been able to hit them. Cam Johnson hit free throws to win games. Kenny Williams stepped up to, to lock, to, to secure wins. Uh, Joel Berry, Theo Pinson might be the best free throw shooter on the team. Um, so that kind of toughness to – to make the plays, hit the shots, hit free throws, grab that key rebound, that kind of stuff. 
we've seen all that throughout this run and throughout different wins going back to Tennessee. I remember that Tennessee win. They made a lot of key plays late and it felt like that ACC type game vibe. So all those kind of experiences are coming to fruition now during the six game run um, that you would think, you know, they, they use that in the next two games and ride that kind of momentum, regardless of how the Duke game goes into the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament. Greg, speaking to that, all of that, and specifically to rather have a you know, a senior point guard than a freshman point guard, I, I think Roy Williams, for all the flack he's gotten in recruiting and not getting these one-and-done players for whatever reason, I think he wouldn't trade anything for what he's had with guys like Joel Berry and Marcus Page, Theo Pence, and all his upperclassmen. Uh, I just don't think Roy Williams would ever, even without the success on the court, I don't think he would trade any of it um, for what he's had in these type players over the years. Yeah, and I think what gets lost in a lot of that is you know, people you know, say, well, you know, he's not able to get the, the one-and-done guys. Well, what Roy will tell you is that he's had more one-and-done guys since he's been back uh, than, than anybody else in the ACC. And I don't know if that's actually true, but he, he said that a few weeks ago, and it's probably probably is true, knowing him. Uh, but, I mean, Tony Bradley was at one-and-done. And he'll make the case, like Roy typically does, of saying, hey, I recruited all these kids too. I just didn't get them. But I, I think what Roy understands, and it's something that I don't think Calipari gets, uh, and Coach K is having a difficult time with it, um, I know he struck gold in 2015, but a lot of the other years, it's kind of been like this year, where you're like, right, where's the senior leadership at? But Roy understands that you want key pieces. You want incredible, talented players if you can get them. But you also need a balance. You need guys that have been there for you. So if you look at that 2005 team, Marvin Williams was a stud as a one-and-done type kid, but he wasn't all UNC had. You know, they had a lot of other veteran pieces around him, which really allowed his talents to shine. Uh, and so I really think Roy does this great job of being able to, to build teams. He has a, an idea in mind for his program, how he wants it to develop. And if he has to take a kid that's maybe not you know, a top 10 type kid, but a kid that's top 100 or top 50 and gradually build them over the years, uh, he can do it. It's not a big deal to him. And he can coach anybody up. And I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, Sterling Manley, looking at him from the preseason to now, I don't think there's any question in anybody's mind that has watched UNC play in recent weeks that he is going to be a heck of a player at some point. It may not be this year. It may not even be next year. But by the time he's a junior or senior, uh, he's going to be a force if he's still around. And I, I think you know, Roy just kind of understands how to put teams together. He understands the chemistry. He understands that you need talent and experience. As Roy said last year, what you want more than anything is experienced talent. And that's what it kind of comes down to. Uh, and so you can talk about, yeah, you can talk about how he's missed out on all these kids or whatever. Uh, but he coaches teams and he builds teams and he wants as much talent as he can get. But you're right that he's not going to trade a, a one and done point guard for a kid like Joe Barry. That's just not going to be anything he would ever be interested in. But you know, Joe Barry wasn't some stud when he came in. It took a long time to kind of develop. And so there is that 
uh, that balance aspect that so many coaches have, they struggle to get right. And Roy has done it right you know, time and time again. It'll be very interesting to see next year without that veteran point guard and seventh woods, who we think will have to take the reins at point guard, given the questions around Jalik Felton, um, you know, what happens there? Cause you don't have that guy you kind of trust with like you did with Joel Berry, Marcus page, and you have a five-star stud coming in, Nasir Little, and, and of course, Kobe White and, and uh, Rayshon Black. But it's going to be an interesting dynamic next year, losing these two guys who've kind of been the main facilitators and playmakers for the last three years. What happens and how good UNC can be without um, – w- w- I guess just questions at point guard. I, I have uh, deep concerns of what they'll be like next year, um, given the losses and just two key losses, but still some veteran players and a lot of talent coming in too. It's going to be like every season, kind of interesting to see how those parts work in, knowing there are some studs coming in um, as freshmen. Yeah, a couple things. I think Roy said he's had more people go pro early than anybody. I think Kay still has the one and done mantra, um, but with all the guys that went pro after the 2005 season and, and on, I think Coach Williams has more guys leave early, just not necessarily one and yeah, done. Like and, juniors and stuff. Yeah, and and while I'm thinking about it, Greg, you weren't on the uh, Ross and Sherelle podcast, so give me your ranking of Roy Williams's point guards before we go to break and before we talk about Miami. You've got Barry, Page, Kendall Marshall, Ty Lawson, and Raymond Felton. I need your rankings, on-the-spot rankings of those guys. Who's the other four guys on the court with them? Point guards only. Based, <laughs> off, based off their seasons and their careers, how do you put them? I mean, UNC, UNC careers. <laughs> UNC careers. Well, it's so dependent upon who they're playing with. Uh, well, I mean, well, hands down for me, it's Ty Lawson. And I know he gets an asterisk because he played beside Hansborough. But Lawson was a machine. He He's the one reason they dominated the, you know, the NCAA tournament in 2009. Uh, so, so Lawson's there. I'd probably put Page number two. Um, wow. Wow. And then, um, hmm, I would probably go... See, it gets really tough because the other three are so close. Um, Very true. It's <laughs> too uh, soon. Man. <laughs> it's too, it is too soon. Um, you know, I, I think I would put. We have stumped Greg I, Barnes, Ross. I think yeah. I'd put Barry third, and then I'd put Felton and Marshall tied for fourth. Wow, that's pretty low for Felton. Interesting. I think I had Lawson, Felton, Barry, Page, and Marshall. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again before I go to break. I think you got to win the championship to be considered great. Now, you can be really, really good, and Marcus Page is probably one of the all-time favorites. But Joel Barry, Raymond Felton, and Lawson all have championships, so I think they've got to be ahead. I'd say the the Page three-pointer to tie the game against Villanova was one of the most clutch shots I have ever seen. And by far the clutchest shot I've ever seen live. Yeah, I don't doubt that, but maybe one day ESPN will show it like they do the Capel shot in Durham and everybody will think that won the game. Maybe just maybe one day they'll show <laughs> that highlight that way. I'm going to take a break. We're going to come back. We'll talk about senior night, Carolina versus Miami on Tuesday at 9 p.m. 
Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Ross, the emotion of senior night now. Barry and Pinson's senior night, also Andrew Roman, but describe how it's going to be in the Smith Center. And can these guys, well, I don't even really think there's any doubt, given what they've done their career, but getting it together to play against a Miami team is going to be pretty tough. Yeah, it's always kind of a weird situation. I've been to a couple senior days, uh, senior nights. I'm sure Greg's been to more. But, um, you know, there's so much pressure to win and even a lot of pressure for the underclassmen, Luke May, Kenny Williams, those guys to just make sure that they can kind of get ahead and secure the victory uh, with plenty of time left in the second half. But Miami is a, you know, a, a not a, a, a team that's just going to roll over. So that's going to be interesting as well. A lot of pressure, a lot of tension to just to get that win. I know last year or two years ago, it was Syracuse. Maybe it was last year, but um, that's an interesting situation. But other than that, I mean, we met with Theo Pinson and Joel Berry today for about 20, 25 minutes. And it was, it was actually the most fun I think I've had at a press conference just because Theo was just on it. So funny, throwing jabs left and right. Uh, Roy Williams crashed the press conference. And just that kind of atmosphere, you'll think that they'll bring that to the speeches tomorrow, um, Tuesday night. I think Joel's, Joel Berry's will be pretty serious, pretty emotional. He's a pretty heartfelt guy, kind of speaks from the heart in terms of just how serious and sincere and honest he is. Uh, I'm sure Theo Pence will be pretty goofy, but I think this class means a lot to um, to Roy Williams. I don't know if you'll see the the emotion that the eloquent Marcus Page brought. That was pretty spectacular, His you know his eight-minute speech or whatever it was. I don't know if you see that kind of emotion, but I think what these two guys mean to this program uh, is as meaningful as what Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson did, kind of the bridging the gap between the NCAA mess and that whole cloud to get to two Final Fours, to win a championship and put together a real special season this year. Um, And I think Roy has a very special relationship with Theo Pinson and Joel Berry. He always has a really tight relationship with his point guards. I think that's very clear between those two. And it's two unique players that UNC fans love, and I think you'll feel that as well. So it's going to be special. It's going to be a lot of goosebumps um, in that in that building, and uh, I'm excited to kind of see what they say and how it all plays out uh, on Tuesday. It's always a cool thing. Um, it's kind of a special thing that UNC does with the senior speeches. Greg, going into it, I mean, the four seniors will start, and the fan base is always worried that uh, the – you know, that's going to happen. The walk-ons will be out there and the other team will get way ahead. I think uh, Georgia Tech several years ago hit a ton of threes and beat Carolina on senior night. I can't remember when it was. It's been a while and I'm old, so it's probably been longer than I'm thinking. But for Carolina, Barry, Pinson, Ma, and Roman, I mean, it's just going to be insane in the building. Uh, your take on the emotion of it and then the the fact that they've got to play Miami and they've got to win this game, the Duke loss on Monday night makes this Miami game a big, big deal for ACC standings. Yeah, and you have to assume Luke May will be the, the fifth guy out there with them. Uh, so I think there's enough. you got a facilitator in Pinson who does the wing work. you got Barry at the point and you got May inside. So I don't think there's any any concern. Um, 
about getting you know behind early. And you know, as we talked about earlier, with the the veteran leadership this team has, it's not like it's a big deal if they fall behind ten to four in the opening four minutes. So I don't think that's that's always kind of overblown. Um, but there is going to be a lot of emotion. I, I think Ross hit on the key point is that you know, this is going to be emotional for Pinson and Barry, but they've been in big games before, and I think they are mature enough to be able to kind of put the, the ceremony aside and just play. But I think that the bigger issue is going to be for the other guys because if you talk to Kenny Williams and, uh, and Luke May and, and a lot of the, the other players, uh, they have so much respect for Pinson and Barry and what those guys have done in their Tar Heel careers. But this game is huge for them because they do not want those guys to go out with a loss. And so there is going to be pressure on the other guys, not named Barry and Pinson. Uh, and so it's, it's going to be important for them to get into a rhythm early, just get lost in the game. Uh, and then I think if they do that, Carolina's played well enough at home. They should be able to handle Miami. Uh, you know, the Hurricanes not having, still not having Bruce Brown, I think hurts them. It kind of limits what, you know, how effective they can be, um, especially off the dribble. But they're still a talented team. They got two bigs they play with, and so that'll be another challenge for UNC. They'll have to continue playing playing well on the boards. Uh, but I think just the energy, uh, the, the positive energy that the Smith Center will provide will, will provide enough of a boost for this team to be able to win on senior night. I, I, I don't see it being uh, as big of a concern, I know, as I probably should. But I just think on, on senior night, UNC is going to get it done. Ross, before we go, favorite Theo Pinson moment you've had this season? This season? Anytime, really. Yeah. Last couple of seasons. Putting you on the spot. I got Greg yeah. earlier. I'm going to get you now. <laughs> that video of him with the uh, air traffic control wands was pretty funny. I know that was like the last week, but that was pretty darn funny. He took the air traffic control wands and was dancing for about a minute and a half and kind of put it on his official Twitter. Um Man, I just love – I think he high-fived Roy Williams after like a big play mid-game when the game was still in question. That was just something that kind of epitomized like what he did. Roy Williams just came out and slapped his hand. Um, I think that just the relationship he has with Roy Williams is, is pretty cool. And I think you've seen Roy Williams really loosen up with Theo because there's no other way to approach it than to just embrace it. Um and so that, you know, those little moments here and there, him just goofing around, smiling, standing up on the uh, the benches after the Duke win. That was cool. That was a rocking atmosphere. Uh, the last Duke game in Chapel Hill with that big slam, him attempting that first slam. Um, those kind of things this season stand out. But um, that's what I have to say there. I know it's a lot of different answers, but you put, did put me on the spot there. I had to get you. Greg, Ross hit it, and I was going to ask you that. One thing about Pinson and Barry is they've loosened Roy Williams up, and you've covered Carolina for a long time. He's as loose and as free-spirited as he's ever been on the sidelines, and I think that's a good thing as you get up in age. Yeah, and I, I, I think we have to be careful not to put too much of that on these guys, Pinson and Barry. I, I think the fact that he's through I mean, he had a very rough stretch there for a couple of years. I mean, uh, his best friend died. Dean Smith died. Bill Guthridge died. He had to deal with all of the uh, knee surgeries. He had to deal with all the NCAA mess. 
So he had a stretch there that was just brutal. And then they go to the national championship game and lose on the last second shot. And you're like, God, the guy can't catch a break. And then they finally win. And so he's got three championships. And I, I think he's gotten older. He's mellowed. And he's in the kind of the twilight of his career. He's still got some years to go. But he is able to say, hey, I, I got past all that stuff that was going on. And I can really embrace these kids. I can have good relationships with them and, and really thrive. I mean, because I'll be honest with you. If you go back to that you know, 07, 08 team, 08, 09, when you had Hansbro and Lawson. I mean, Lawson's in the locker room talking about SpongeBob. You got Fraser over there making fun of Hansbro while he's giving an interview and Tyler's getting flustered and Ginyard's over there laughing and Danny Green's being Danny Green, who's just kind of off the wall. I mean, there have been some very unique locker rooms. Um, you know, Bryce Johnson and, and Marcus Page used to go back one uh, one another you know, with, with snakes in the locker room underneath their chairs and all kinds of uh, goofiness. And that's really what kind of prompted you know, Pinson and Barry to kind of embrace that mindset. So Royce has had so many unique guys in the locker room that he's been able to be like that. We haven't necessarily seen it uh, outside of the locker room quite as much. But when Pinson, you know, breaks protocol like he did a couple of years ago and, and steps up on the, you know, the media dais at the NCAA tournament, Nobody's done that for Roy Williams before. And so that is a unique thing that Pinson brings to the table. But if you follow this program for as long as we all have, there are just so many characters and so many kids that have good stories. Uh, I think you have to be careful you know, not to put so much on Pinson and Barry as being these you know, culture changer type guys. But they are unique in their own way. And it just kind of speaks to why this Tar Heel family is you know, special it is to so many people because there's so many just incredible personalities that have come through over the years. Yep, it amazes. It's amazing what happens when players stick around and become part of that family and sort of let that shine through. Ross, Greg, great show. Carolina Senior Night, Tuesday night against Miami at 9 p.m. in Smith Center. Look forward to the coverage on InsideCarolina.com. Look forward to talking to you guys the next time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.